sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome back, everybody. Hour number two of the early line right here on the grid, giving you the edge, Dane Martinez, and, of course, Kevin Walsh. It's a football Friday as we head into week seven. And, you know, Kev, we're starting to see things get solidified, right? You know, we're starting to start understand what we believe in, what you can hang your hat on. You know, a lot of the teams are starting to we, – we know their identity, and that is the case with the two teams in the NFC West who will now be playing – on Sunday Night Football, the undefeated, the only undefeated team in the NFC, the Seattle Seahawks, go to Arizona to take on the Cardinals. And it looks like the NFL found another opportunity to get Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson in prime time. They have moved this game to Sunday night um, now that the Raiders game is kind of up in the air. This way, NBC gets their thing. And listen, I'm just here to watch Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray do battle, right? Hmm. Yeah, no, look, it's a super exciting game. Um these are two teams that are perfect examples of when I talk about how dangerous and thin the margin is for people who want to pick apart resumes. The hmm. Cardinals. I mean, the last three wins, right? Washington, the Jets, and Dallas. Not a lot of juice there. Seattle, 5-0. and A lot of people might be like, oh, you can't pick apart Seattle. Trust me, I can pick apart Seattle. I promise hmm. you I can. This team is living on the edge every single week, man. And I don't know if it's going to fall out. I don't know. Here's what I do know. I watched the Packers get a bye that they didn't need, come out on the road, and ultimately get punched in the mouth. I've seen this Seahawks team play a lot of close games. I'm going to roll the dice here. I'm going to take Arizona plus three and a half. But... Those at home. Let's do this together. Let's try and remember this, okay? Let's not get greedy. Let's not start running around what I told you so, Flags. If we get this number to flip, let's try and middle the game. Let's not ultimately say there's no way Russ does it again. He does it every week. It might be it might be out of this world that he does it every week. Yep. Okay. It might feel unsustainable that he does it every week, but he does it every week. So yep. If we get Seattle catching three and a half, we should probably try and middle this number. But my starting position at the minimum, Dane, is Arizona getting plus three and a half. Listen, trying to middle a game is not easy, right? I remember last night, I was like, I think Philly wins but doesn't cover the number, right? And I'm going to tell you the same thing in this one. I think Seattle wins but doesn't cover the number. I'm with you, Kev. This exact kind of narrative, like we have to trust Russell Wilson to pull the rabbit out of his hat. We just do at this point, you know, and I believe that he will. And but that does not necessarily mean a four point victory. I go back, Kev, and I know Arizona's different this year than what I'm about to say for last year. But remember the Seattle games against ultimately the class of the NFC West? 
against San Francisco last year. Both games were one Mm -hmm. possession games. One was overtime in San Fran. Then in Seattle, it was like they stopped them on the one yard line. These are close games. And I believe Kyla Murray and Russell will be able to go back and forth. The Seattle defense gives up 27 points a game. All right. I don't think they're stopping Kyler. And I think this is going to profile just like you're saying. Either Kyla Murray will have a shot at the end or Russell Wilson will have a shot at the end. There's just too much here, okay? Russell Wilson is the favorite for the MVP award. He leads the league in passer rating. We have seen what he has done. On the other side, yeah. DeAndre Hopkins leads the league in catches, in yards. You know, it's the offenses I do think will come to play. I think this will be a high-scoring game. The 55-and-a-half is warranted as we welcome in our radio audience from around the country, including the mightier 1090 out there in Southern California. Thanks for waking up very early with us. We know you'll have your eyes on this NFC West game, but Kev, I'm with you. Even if Russell pulls the rabbit out of his hat, which to be honest, shouldn't be called the rabbit out of his hat anymore. Should just be called the Seattle Seahawks. I still would take the home dogs with a short price, especially if it's over three, because I do think this game will be a close division matchup. I want to make this point. If the Cardinals win, okay, they go to five and two. They all of a sudden solidify themselves as a much different tier in the NFC. And Kyler Murray, who is currently ninth in the regular season MVP mm. market at 32 to 1, sees that number probably cut in half. The guys in front of him, Big Ben Tannehill, play one another. He jumps both of them. Uh, or rather, he'll jump at least one of those guys. Um, Brady, Josh Allen, Lamar's off. I think Kyler Murray would win here because, Dane, I think to be there's, they're not going to win this game on the back of like Kenyon Drake, right? That would be hilarious if that's how this went. Think about that, though, again, for some Cardinals betters out there. And let me see if I can just quickly pull this up. I apologize, but it just kind of hit me on the spot of – what this can really do for the outlook. The Cardinals to make the playoffs plus 106, yes. You know, it's something to think about. That flips the minus money if they get to 5-2 and and have a win in the division. Remember now, they beat San Francisco week one. Okay. Then if they beat Seattle in this one, you know, they would be kind of right there. I'm with you. Uh, This will be a big move for Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. I'm going to tell you something, though. Um, I like Kyler Murray, not in the MVP market, but in the offensive player of the year market. I think that could be more viable. Another note on this one, you know, we've talked about and we've heard Seattle may be flirting with Antonio Brown. This is addition to Tyler Lockett, who is a deep threat, and DK Metcalf, who's something like third in the NFL over the last two seasons in yards per catch. Imagine if this number one offense in the NFL and Russell Wilson in an MVP season gets Antonio Brown dropped into the wide receiver room, it could be incredibly dangerous. We have more week seven games to cover and we will do so when we come right back here in the early line hello i'm dr david chow aka pro football doc i spent 17 years on an nfl sideline with the chargers as a head team position and i can tell you teams don't want to tell you the whole story 
that's where I come in. I know what they're trying to tell you and trying not to tell you. I know how to assess injuries and how it will impact players and teams that week. Come check out ProFootballDoc.com. You can't make a bet or set a fantasy lineup without coming to consult with us at ProFootballDoc.com. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here onto the early line, giving you the edge. Dane Martinez and my man burning the candle at both ends, Kevin Walsh. Kev, I, you know, we've got an interesting NFC South game. Right with two three-win teams here, with the Carolina Panthers going to New Orleans to see Drew Brees, Sean Payton, and the New Orleans Saints. I find this one fascinating because of Teddy Bridgewater, the former Saint, going back there. Right, Joe Brady, a former Saint, working with him, going back there, and you know, Kev, I have been high on Teddy Bridgewater. I think they deserve a little bit of respect. And one thing I know you have said, Kev is that with New Orleans, people are forgetting about the fact that their defense is not that good. They give up 30 points a game, Kev. You know who else gives up 30 points a game? The Jets. You know who else gives up 30 points a game? The Jaguars. You know who else gives up 30 points a game? The Falcons. You know who else gives up 30 points a game? The Texans. These are the teams that the Saints are tied with for the third worst defensive points per game average in the NFL. So, yeah, you can want to talk about if Michael Thomas is coming back and all that stuff, right, which and he even had a setback. We don't know about that. But for me, I don't know. Like you bet the Giants team total when it was the Cowboys defense on the other side. Right. I wonder if not to that much of an extent, but I think this Carolina Panthers offense can move the ball, can score. And I think they can hang inside a touchdown with this Saints offense. These are two teams that I think it might be fair to say we still don't really know who they are. That is fair. But people will say that for Carolina. I don't know how many people are saying that about the Saints. I mean, Dan, we've got five games from this team. Week one, they play game of the week against the Bucks, and they basically had everybody thinking that the Brady made the worst decision of his career, throws a pick six, they're done, they're done, they're done. We've seen Tampa Bay has been just fine. They then lose Monday night football to the Raiders in a pretty odd spot. Nobody was too surprised by it, right? Certainly not here on this show. Then Sunday night football, they get blown up by Rodgers in their own building, and we start to talk about the defensive woes and when will Michael Thomas return. Right. And they play the Lions, right? Everybody's really now kind of walking on thin ice. Is this team okay? 14-0 deficit. They're up by 14 points at the half. They ultimately handle the job there against the Lions. And then we see him again on Monday Night Football against the Chargers. Down 17 points. And pretty lucky to not lose that football game. Right. What are the Saints? It's tough to say. Yeah. I think they turn the corner off the bye. I think this team starts to put it together. Their defense got better as the year went on last season. And I think they can kind of run away with this game. 
But my expectation is, and I don't know, this might be kind of a well-duh statement, and I apologize if it is, but I think basically either the Panthers are winning this game going into the fourth quarter, or the Saints are up by three scores going into the Mm. fourth quarter. And I'd kind of be surprised by a middle ground. Okay, that's fair. And I think you make a point about them rounding the corner after the bye. The question for me will be if they clean up this defense. Plain and simple. Okay, also, what the hell is going on with Michael Thomas? Yeah, What, what in the world is going that. on? This time it sounds like an actual setback health-wise, right? So we'll see. But listen, you drafted this guy in the first round. He was the number one wide out off the board, and he has not performed so far. I'm intrigued by this Teddy Bridgewater thing. He had a 99 quarterback rating in his five wins as the Saints quarterback last year. Is going for his third game in a row on the road with a 100 quarterback rating. Give the man his respect. He is definitely a legitimate game manager, and you put it up against this defense. If the Saints have not cleaned it up, I see a division game that stays close and within the number. But you're right. If the Saints look better after the bye, they could blow them out the water as well. You know, Kev, you mentioned what are the Saints? I'm going to ask you the same question because with the Saints, it's really about are they in that top tier or not, right? When Mm -hmm. we talk about what are they? I have a similar question about the Buffalo Bills, Kev. What are they? What team, what tier do they belong in? Were we a little bit too quick to laud Josh Allen as an MVP candidate? Are we too quick to say that the Buffalo Bills can hang with the elite class of the league and in the AFC because they have lost two straight against Tennessee and Kansas City, the two participants in last year's AFC championship game, and everybody thinks, count me included, that this is a get-right spot against the Jets. They are road favorites of 12 points, the Buffalo Bills, and I don't think that's enough, Kev. Yeah, I don't mean to laugh. I think you just no, asked right. some very fair questions, but boy, yeah. do they not matter in this game, huh? Nope. I mean, like, it doesn't matter not at all. Nope. Like, they, who's taking the Jets get with, with 12? Who cares? Who okay. Ca- what's the number? If you tell where- me that the Bills score 13 points in the game, maybe then. <laughs> yeah, no, I still wouldn't love it. I still Maybe. wouldn't love it. Right. Like, <laughs> right. th- this is the problem. Here, Okay, here, here's really the problem for the book. They have to still put numbers up like there's an NFL football team playing on the right. other side of the field. Right. The, the Jets I mean, next team week, total... did you see this? Did you see yeah, it next week when they're at Kansas City? It's 21. It's light. It's light. It's light. It is. It's light. I, it is light. I don't disagree like, with you. I don't I'm not going to lay it. It's just, It's a silly thing to do, but it's light. Like, I'll probably lay the first half number or something. I don't. Maybe I will lay it. The, the the Jets are the Jets are just not a pro football team right now. Okay, I'm not going to tell you that Alabama would beat them because we're not going to go down that road. Nah, we're, we're getting there by the way. But, but I'm just letting you know. I'm just letting you know that conversation's about to start pretty soon. Like the yeah, Jets yeah, versus yeah. Clemson, Jets versus yeah, Bama. Yeah, it's always nonsense. But that's where we are with this team. And at the end of the day, like their team total 16 and a half. What? I'll take the under. Well, here's the thing. I don't know who's going to be the quarterback here, though. I don't know who's going to be the quarterback. I'm not sure how much it matters. I know. I know. But I do think there is a bit of an upgrade if Sam Darnold is back and we saw he was practicing. Listen, the Jets have given it up on a number of levels. After the game last week, Kev, they traded away Steve McClendon to, uh, I believe, the 49ers, who is an actual (laughs) defensive lineman that can help another team. They've made a couple of other moves. We know with Greg Williams talking we know what this is remember how i said at the top of the show the cowboys were the worst defense in the league and they were a full four points worse 
than number 31 in the league? Mm-hmm. Well, on the offensive side of the ball, Kev, you ready for this? <laughs> the, Hawk. the Jets are averaging 12 points a game. Yeah. 12 points a game. Yeah. Number 31 in the league is the New York Football Giants, who before last night were averaging 16 points a game. And that's going to be boosted up slightly. The Washington football team is 30th in the NFL. They're averaging 18 points a game. A full touchdown more than the Jets. The 30th ranked offense in the NFL is scoring a touchdown more a game than the Jets. I have no idea what anything to look for in this one. I just want to see Sam Darnold get through a game healthy and have it not completely unravel. But you're right. I don't think 12 is enough. I, I actually, there is something to look for in this game. Talk to me. What does Buffalo do offensively? Do they look to play this like clean Devin Singletary, Zach Moss run game? Yeah. Or do they say, let's do what we did week one? Josh Allen threw the ball like 40 times in that game. Like, how is that even possible? They were up the whole time. Why did he throw? Like, do they look like, is it a bunch of digs, deep shots? Or are they out? Like, do the Bills look to pour it on, right? Like, sometimes you and I will talk DFS stacks. Like, should I just roll out a, a, a Bills, you know, Josh Allen, Diggs, Singletary, John Brown, Dawson Knox, like, and just roll it? Because that's the one thing to look for. Because you'll kind of get an insight into what the Bills want to be moving forward, I think, with their offensive approach, at least in the first half. So here's the deal. Whatever happens, you can't take anything from it. I I don't care. Right? Like, whatever the Bills do, right? They will be able to do whatever they want. Okay? And if... If in this game, you know, all of a sudden Stefan Diggs goes one for 114 and two touchdowns, it will give me nothing about what Stefan Diggs does in the future. If Devin Singletary and Zach Moss look like a great one two punch, I will not care about that moving forward for the Bills. Yeah. This game will not matter at all. We got a couple of other games where I want to ask you, what do you think those teams are moving forward? And we will do so on the other side of the break when we come back for the early line. But first, let's check out the Sports Grid News update to get caught up on everything in the sports world. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, including our radio affiliates from around the country. Mightier 1090 out there out west. Thanks for waking up very early with us on the early line, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. Kev, you know, for the last two games, whether it was Buffalo or San Fran, we were talking about, like, what is this team really? And I will ask you the same question for the next game. We talk about who are the Cleveland Browns? They're 4-2. and two. They go into Cincinnati for an AFC North division matchup. I have been telling you all year long what I feel think the Browns are. I think they are a team that is above average to good, but they need a certain path, okay? I believe they need to establish the run. Baker, better off play action. They were able to do that four times. They won. They were not able to do that against Baltimore, got down early. Against Pittsburgh, got down early. Then it's on the arm of Baker Mayfield, and listen, Baker is clearly not 100%. Kareem Hunt, not 100%. Jarvis Landry, not 100%. But 
The Cincinnati Bengals are not a strong defense, right? Kareem Hunt maybe can still do work on the ground. He's gotten in the end zone, I believe, five out of his last six games. The one time he didn't, of course, was the time I bet the touchdown prop on Kareem Hunt. But I digress. The Cleveland Browns are road favorites by three in the hook. I am very uncomfortable about this game. Uh, I actually, I I joined somebody on a a friend on a podcast who asked for like three best bets for the week, and this somehow me okay. the Browns lying three was one of them. And even if it was still three, I still would tell you I don't feel comfortable about this game. Um, as I've continued to stare at the number, I don't know if I all of a sudden trust Baker. I don't know if he's healthy. I don't know if yeah, the Bengals. Or a team, like, this is what I'm talking about. We're just getting to the point where it's like, oh, the Bengals are going to lose every week. They're going to lose every week. Like, they were, they should have beat the Colts last week, right? And, like, it wouldn't shock me if they actually came out here and won this football game. I don't like this game. I, I, I really I really don't like this game. I think it's a good game for props. My large, large, large good friend, T. Higgins, I'm interested in ah, him. The biggest Kareem of Hunt, humans. Of, of course, the, one of the biggest to ever big. Like, Kareem Hunt, for sure. Like, let's get involved there again. Yeah. Odell, probably. I'll tell you where like, I'm on this prop market. Let me tell you something. I am on the yeah. Joe Burrow attempts the man has thrown the ball more than anyone in the nfl the browns are actually fourth in the league stopping the run giving up less than 100 a game and joe mixon is a little bit banged up in this one right so if anything i think joe burrow continues to throw 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 you're right your man the largest of all the humans continuing to perform even though aj green had a nice game uh yeah. last week we do aj need to trying to ball. show out to get traded that's right. He may be on the move. We'll talk about that with all those teams you mentioned for Antonio Brown. There may be others on the horizon. The last game on the Sunday slate that we have to talk about, and it gets the bottom billing for a reason. It's the 1-5 Jaguars going to the 1-4 Chargers. I got to ask you, though, in this one for me, this is the only thing I care about in this one is the continued development of Justin Herbert, right? Justin Herbert has looked good but hasn't ultimately won a game yet. I think he's got an opportunity today, though, and they're seven-and-a-half-point favorites, Kev. Dan, I don't know if we've made a big enough deal about him moving to the favorite for Offensive Rookie of the Year. I mean, we just just haven't had a ton of time for it. I think that's interesting. Here's my only thing I'll tell people for this game. Please, please leave this out of your teasers. I know. Mm. Oh, yeah. Tags are terrible. Chargers are awful. Bye. Do not put this in your teasers. Do not. There are 100 other better spots on this board for teasers than trusting a Chargers team that exclusively plays up or down to their competition. Like, do that. not put this. That's that's legitimately my handicap. Don't no, put that. it in your teasers. Don't do it. No, fair enough. Listen, there's not a lot here we can trust with these teams. I'll also make the point we may have Cinderella turning into a pumpkin here in the form of James Robinson. Okay, has not performed as well in the last two games, right? So all that love, and it's a great story, but let's not go crazy. He had something like only 50 scrimmage yards, only 20-some-odd rushing yards last week. So if you're going back to that well, I would give you cause for pause. Those are all the games, and Kev... We'll talk about Monday Night Football. We'll break down everything uh, when we're back after the weekend here on the early line. But listen, 
Kev, we've also got Game 3 of the World Series to discuss, and I'm excited. I think this is the best pitching matchup of the series. I love the fact that the bullpens will be fresh after the first off day they've had in the playoffs the entire season. And here we go, Kev. We've got Walker Bueller against Charlie Morton. And listen, Charlie Morton, I can get at plus 134. The man does nothing but perform in big spots, whether it's for Tampa, whether it's for the Houston Astros. Astros. I trust Charlie Morton, and I got him at plus 134. Also, technically, Kev, I believe the Rays are the quote-unquote home team. They'll be hitting in the bottom of innings, which is a subtle shift here in the World Series. What do you think about this one? The Dodgers minus 154 with Bueller. The Rays plus 134 with Morton. Seven and a half is the total in this one. Yeah, uh, Morton was really good to me when we looked to close out against mm-hmm. the Astros. So I don't want to go against them. Plus 134 on Charlie Morton it almost feels like it should be an auto play. The right. seven and a half, you know me, I much prefer overs. I I think it might be a, a nice, real, real undernight here, like 3 1 kind of final. Yep. If there's going to be a 4-2 game, a 3-2 game, a 4-1 game in this series, tonight is the night I would pick. Yeah. Okay? You're right. And there's a reason it's 7.5. It, it only went up to 8 in Game 2 with a far worse pitching matchup. I think the totals in this one has been weird. I don't think the books understand what to really do with that Dodgers offense and the potential yeah. on any given night. You know what I mean? But I see it like you. This may be not only, Kev, do you have the pitchers that we kind of trust in Charlie Morton, but you got fresh bullpens, right? In a swing game, both of these managers, I think, are going to bring out their A horses to try to get this one done. This is Mm -hmm. a pivotal game in the series. I'm intrigued by this one. I agree with you. I'm interested in the under. Like, this would be... This is the conditions for the under in this series. If you're going to go under in any game, tonight's the one I would do it. And what that then means is, and I'm a little sad, eventually we will not be able to just go to the very, very plentiful futures market that is Major League Baseball. But we go to the MVP market. So, who do we have as our top three? Mookie Betts, absolutely deserved. Clayton Kershaw. And then tied are Brandon Lau and Corey Seager. Bellinger and Blake Snell, not far behind. The Kershaw number is important to note. I would not tell you that he was lights out dominant and yet checks in at a 5 to 1 number. Walker Bueller 18 to 1, Charlie Morton 25 to 1. If you at home believe that this game is an under game like myself and Dane do and you honestly you could even take the both of them, but you want to trust one of these pitchers You will beat this number. I promise you that. I promise you, you will beat this number. Do you need the game, the series to go like seven games, though, if you like one of these guys in the MVP market? Because you'll need them to get another. Whoever, I I, I like where you're going with this, right? Yeah. The idea that out of Walker Bueller or Charlie Morton, right? Whichever one of these guys gets the win or has a performance, have their team go up 2-1, yeah, it's going to go down. But don't you need a second outing out of these guys? And that's not guaranteed. Whereas the second outing for, like, you know, uh, Kershaw is. 100%. 100%. 
I think, though, because of the days off, I think you can get it in six games, which if if your guy has the ball pitched real well game uh, three and then can close it out in game six, I give you I give you a good shot at it. It to, what you need though is these hitters awesome. to kind of trade MVPs. Right. That's kind There's of no what you like. Clear idea on the offensive and, side. Right. And that's by the way, Dane. This is why you're so spot on. That is why Kershaw is currently five to one. He's getting another game, and he was good right. enough in game one. Because right now, Mookie Betts was the MVP of game one. Lau was the MVP of game two. That that's where we are, like. But I will say this: I don't know why Joey Wendell is thirty-five to one. He, <laughs> he had no, but seriously, he had as many RBIs as Lau in, in game yep. two. So the home run. Keep that, that in, is. but but that accumulates. Do you know what? It, so when when we get to game end of game four, and we're like, wow, Joey Wendell leading the Rays in RBIs in the series. Like he should not be thirty-five to one. He just shouldn't. Part of that is they don't expect this team to win this series, but that's just a a little bit of value that exists because he wasn't the story of the game, but Mm -hmm. he had the numbers that can give him an outside shot. Yeah, it's like betting a Bam Adebayo as MVP of the NBA Finals, right? He might have a shot, but it's not the team they expect to win it all. I'm intrigued. You're right. I'd be interested in K-props for both of these starting pitchers. And, you know, we we play around also. The book offers so many props for these World Series games, like the result of their first plate appearance. How many total bases these guys will get? at-bat specials. That's awesome. What will they do in their second at-bat, right? Yeah. They don't give you the third. That was the one thing I learned the other because night. Because you with don't Blue know it. what pitcher that will be against. That's you don't know the to. second pitcher either. You know what I Fair think it enough. is? I think it's less about the pitcher, and it's more about this trend in baseball that like third time through the rotation is such a mess. I think I that's what it is. Because they give you the second one. No, because like the Dodgers were on their fourth pitcher of the game, and they were still posting the, the Rays numbers. Does the book, does the world realize that second time through the lineup, these de- these days are already the bullpen? In any event, when we come back, UFC 254, vamos! SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here onto the early line. I'm giving you the edge on Sports Grid. Kev, before we touch UFC, we're, we're still waiting for our guy, Jay. We got to hook him up and get him online. We hope to have him join us and add to the conversation when we do talk UFC. You know, talk to me, though, about these prop bets, right? There's so mm. many different markets, total bases, first plate appearance. I do believe they don't know what's going to happen. Definitely third time through the order, right? I, I think it makes sense for them to still hang it second time through. That's like in the fourth inning. And, you know, you mm-hmm. got to hope that these pitchers can get through four or five. But so many interesting markets to play, right? The book wants people to bet the World Series. Yeah, so the live at-bat specials are not like some of a pregame bet. They're, they're in-game betting. They update by the inning. The We can debate the why, but... Now, I only was able to follow one World Series game. I, I missed Tuesday night. I'm actually on tonight. Uh, I'm usually off Friday night, so it'll be it'll be good to get back uh, and follow it along. Nice. Um, 
but the one thing I can tell you for for fact is the ninth hitter for both of those teams second time like that was the cutoff point and it was interesting because there was an, a half inning I don't remember who was Rays or Dodgers but it was slated to be batters eight nine one and they had you know let's just call it Kiermaier, Zanino a Rosarena. And they right. didn't oppose the Arosa Arena one. So for whatever yeah. reason, that's the cutoff point, and they never posted it again. It wasn't like, okay, we'll we'll see where it is and we'll get back to you. So that was Are you just any it, it was value a, in those markets though? Or are all those all sucker bets just trying to get money from no, public people I don't, that are excited about the World Series? I don't think they are sucker bets. So there's okay. so there's four options walk slash single, double slash triple, home right. run. Out slash other outcome, error hit by pitch. And they're all plus money because there's four options. So you don't have to be bang on accurate. The home run numbers, by the way, are monstrous. All above 10 to 1, as they should be. But there was like, so again, I I wasn't tracking these with a ton of conviction. They actually caught me off guard. Again, it was my first World Series game uh, the other night. But Max Muncy came up, right? Okay. Now, Max Muncy is kind of a three true outcomes guy. Sure. First at bat against Blake Snell, walked. Blake Snell's rolling. He's striking out two dudes an inning. He was plus 190 to strike out, which was like the favorite outcome. He Mm. struck out. You can, like, that's where you can find an edge. Now, if you bet literally every guy, that's a wild way to roll. But. I think also I would even outs are plus money. Yes, yes. Like make the an smallest out is plus money. Smallest number I saw was plus one ten. Well, strike because out. Think about, think about, about that though. Oh. Think about that. Oh, strike strike out. out. Yes. So if I have make an out and the dude strikes out, I don't win the bet. Correct. Because there's strikeout and then there's any other out. Oh, okay. Well, that's a little different because yeah. I was like, listen, even the best on-base percentage in the damn major leagues is under 50%. Correct. Correct. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, okay, but they split up the outs and strike out an other out. That makes a little bit more sense. So there's five outcomes yeah. then, right? Because there's one yeah, dagger. five, excuse one, me. Okay, then there's double, triple, there's home run, and then there's the two different kind of outs in that market, yeah. right? What I'm going to try and see tonight, if possible, it's tough, man. You know how it goes. There's so much to keep up with. We're going to have a big college football slate tonight. How often does the favorite outcome come true, right? So whatever the shortest number is, how often do we see that number be a winning bet? Because that's the thing. It's still plus money, but the book knows what's the most likely outcome, right? So. If you just kind of follow along and you're like, you tell yeah. me what's going to happen, book. Oh, you think he huh. grounds out into a double play? Lick. Boom. Bang it. Yeah. So I, I think that'll be kind of something interesting to follow. Um, the other thing is if you want to be absolutely insane, and I don't know if I advise this, but the frequency that which home runs are hit, with every single thing being above 10 to 1, you can pick a team, okay, and say, I'm going to play the home run prop for every guy. And hope that you get it within the first... It'll probably be game. 12 at-bats. That would hmm. probably be your break-even point. Now, to be fair, like if you're a $100 player and nobody hits a home run in the first 12 right, at-bats, really go that way. I mean, that's going to crush you. Mm-hmm. But you only need one. 
So hey, that, that's early. just another way that you can play the market. No, that's interesting. Um, and we will continue to look at that. And listen, Kev, by the time we do our show on Monday, right? With game on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we can have, you know, we could have a three two series. We could also have a World Series champion being crowned already before we talk again on Monday morning. A lot of stuff is going to happen over the weekend. Another thing that is going to happen over the weekend is the consolidation of title belts in the UFC. You know, Kev, when Justin Gaethje won a title fight previously, he literally took the belt and threw it on the floor right away, saying that he wanted the real one. And we all know the real one is to take on Khabib Nurmagomedov. And this is going to be exciting. Listen, Khabib is undefeated. I believe he's 28-0. He does the same thing every single time. And what that is, is end you by pummeling you and getting you by the hips, taking you down, and then it is over. Mm-hmm. Justin Gaethje has been branded as the most violent guy, the biggest threat to Khabib that we have seen. And listen, if Gaethje catches him, all bets are off, right, Kev? But the question is, I don't know that it matters because Khabib, I believe his strategy is to walk through it, eat it, whatever it is, and then still get you so I can get you down. Can he eat even the Justin Gaethje bombs? So I want you to know just how spot on you are about what Khabib wants to do. Yeah, uh, you have. For I don't know how many people watch UFC Embedded's, but I mean they are they are really really just great behind the scenes looks on the build up to these big cards. Um, McGregor famously uh, named them Mac Bedids whenever he was on them because <laughs> the numbers would always be the highest. The numbers are doing by the way really really well for this pay per view. Um, Khabib, though, was having a conversation with Daniel Cormier and John Anik. You know how kind of like Troy Aikman and Joe Buck sit down with like Carson sure, Wentz sure, before sure. the Thursday nighter. Just kind of talking right. to him about his strategy. Um, Khabib and Cormier, though, train the same gym. Like a very, very good rapport. So they're honest with one another. And Khabib said something. I tell you, like as a sports fan, it is always really, really fun to listen to two guys who've done it at the highest level just talk to one another, right? Right, right. And he right. goes, and like he said this. Line. 100%. I mean, just the, the absolute two best. Um, so Khabib says to Cormier, he goes, here's the difference between me and you. He goes, you, against Stipe, shoot for the leg one time. You don't get it. You change your approach. Right. I shoot 100 times. He goes, and I'll, and I'll shoot 100 more. I don't yep. stop. I keep coming no matter what. So that's why... There's such a belief that Khabib is eventually going to take him down because right. it will be until the fight is over, Khabib trying to take him down. That right. is what we will do from when the first bell rings until the final one goes off. That's all mm-hmm. he believes in. But I'm telling you right now, this is the hardest fight he has ever had. Justin Gaethje is one of the best like wrestlers in the world. He like he is a world-class wrestler with incredible takedown defense and incredible tank. They called back, I believe it was the Tony fight. They go to the stools, right? It's the fifth round it's about to start. He goes, What round yeah. is it? Like the third, second, third? They're like, What the No. Hmm. It's the fifth. Right? Really? I, I thought Gagey's go- stamina was a concern. No? no. No, okay. this 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 dude's a machine. Now, 
Khabib, though, thinks he can wear him down because he does right. it to everybody. This is why this fight is awesome. Because they're both machines. They both kind of can't believe the other believes that they're going to do what they think they're going to do. They're both totally justified in their beliefs. Like, that is why this is such a fun fight. Justin so, Gates. Let me ask you this. Yeah. You ha- it sounds like you have belief. When mm-hmm. you have belief, and I see plus 265 combined yeah. with belief, it makes mm-hmm. me feel like you're willing to take a swing on that as value. So that's the thing, like, you, you know, I, I mean, I'll just tell like, you. You can't lay Khabib at minus three bills, right? I, I can't. I can't. You know, that's why, unfortunately, it looks, you know, we're not going to be able to have Jay today. Yeah, we're going to have Jay. Um, I, I, I would have been really interested to hear what he would have thought because – at the end of the day, you know, I saw someone make the point. He's like, if you like a bet, if it's minus 330, it doesn't mean you can't bet it. You ha- you just better really, really like the bet, right? Right. Like, if in your heart of hearts you think it should be minus 500, then you got yeah. value, right? I don't believe the gap in these fighters is this wide. That's just my belief. I, I think, okay, let me, I, I'll try and put it another way for people. Khabib Tony Ferguson was supposed to be, like, the fight to end all fights in this weight class, right? Uh, and anybody's kind of game, that was the way it was built up. Justin Gaethje slaughtered Tony Ferguson. Now, there right. were some obviously, you know, circumstances that maybe played a part in that. Maybe. I'm not going to take it away from Gaethje. I... I I was talking to somebody who's, again, in my opinion, I, I really respect, and but they're not like a, a big, big better. And they were like, wait, how how big is the line? Like they were surprised right. to hear the disparity that, big, right? that exists in these numbers. Uh, that's why to me, like, I disagree with the notion that Khabib should be this big of a favorite. I think the value would exist on the Gaethje plus 265. Okay. I, I think that this, I, I just... I think the performance that Gaethje put on against Tony Ferguson is one of the all-time great performances that right. didn't end, uh, that didn't get, like, that went went long, long, long. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I guess the only question then, Kev, like, like, and a lot of people are saying that, right? What Gaethje did against Ferguson was like almost the perfect fight. It was a great performance. The question is, yeah. is he capable of that again? And do you, is that what's required to take the zero away from the right side of Khabib's record? You know, I always know when we talk to Jay and others, we think about ways to trim that price a little bit. And so I think about how Khabib could do it. And Khabib inside yeah. the distance right now on FanDuel is minus 120 if you want to get him by knockout or submission. And that is a far cry from minus 330, right? 20 cents yeah. of juice if you like Khabib inside the distance could be a way to go. I do want to ask you one other question and in the same time do like a public service announcement for all of our viewers here on the early line. If you're getting ready to settle in after a long day of college football and then and cap it off with the cherry on top at night with the UFC, you're going to miss out, okay? <laughs> this is an, no, like, this is important for people. This mm-hmm. is a late morning, afternoon card. The prelims, I think, start at 11 a.m. Eastern time, okay? Yeah. So if you want to get your bets in, do it early. It looks like the Khabib Gaethje fight will go off between 4 and 5 p.m. Eastern time. So that's a big difference. And if you're interested in this fight, get it early and make sure to have the sets on early on. Right, Kev? No, yeah. I mean, it's the the fight time is uh, 
kind of moved around because Khabib is really big in the UK. Khabib right. is the second biggest star in the MMA. Conor McGregor says, you're welcome. I mean, sure. that's just how this goes. And then after this, all he wants to see is George St. Pierre for his legacy. It won't be I, Poirier. It won't be Conor, right? But then again, I, isn't GSP, like, actually retired? Yeah, but you never know with GSP. He, he we'll could see. come back. I, I mean, Fair I don't know. All right, Khabib also. Uh, it's going to be a fun fight, though, man. It's going to be, gonna be emotional. One. Khabib's father also passing away. You know, Khabib will be fighting for him as well. But it is going to be exciting. Both these guys are going to throw balls to the wall. We'll see what happens. We'll be here to talk about it on the other side of the break. And after this, we tie a nice, neat little bow on this episode of The Early Line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here onto the early line. And as we finish up today's show and the week, Kev, remember, listen, we brought in Joe Lisi. We're talking college football. The Big Ten gets going tonight, Kev. Illinois yeah. going to Camp Randall in Wisconsin. Listen, the Badgers, are they a good team? Yeah, they're giving up. They're, they're laying 20 almost, 19 and a half, Kev. And, you know, Camp Randall and jump around. There aren't going to be fans in the stands, right? There's going to mm. be some variance here i don't know if i can lay 20 points even with a top 20 team in the badgers last year wisconsin lost illinois outright you know as huge we haven't seen these teams on the field yet and you're gonna give me a 20 point lead it it is it's it's tough man it's it's tough to lay that kind of number it's also college football if the score was 24 nothing at the half, you can't be like, oh, who could have seen this coming? Right, this like, could be 53 7. It could be. Yeah. I was doing a little bit of. I just want to tell you something about this because you love chaos. You don't want anyone to get COVID. But, like, you love watching people have to figure out schedules, basically, right? Sure. So I was doing a little bit of reading last night. I, I only read it in one spot, and it's so drastic. I'm almost hesitant on saying this, but I trust where I read it that it is the case. The Big Ten COVID restrictions are so strict. You get it? You can't play for 21 days. But coaches don't have to wear masks, Kev. But But coaches don't have to wear masks. But like... And Michigan State's sending their entire student body home except for the athletes. Like... You, if, if, like, you can't, there's, there's no bye weeks. Like, the games are, like, automatically canceled if, like, X number of players get it. Like, I almost don't know how you. Playing, like, six games to qualify for the Big Ten championship game. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's a whole Big Ten tournament of, like, East versus West. One plays one, two plays two, three plays three. Like, there's just another week, by the way, that gets tacked on at the back end of all of this. Like, the Big Ten. Feels like it's going to be wild. I hope nobody gets COVID. We're not looking for anybody to get COVID. I just have no idea how they're meant to handle it. It's going to be wild, and they kick off starting this weekend. We'll see who overperforms, who underperforms. Under, I think, by the way, in the game, maybe. 
I don't Maybe know. it's going to be Under- tough. First time out. I don't know, but give me 19 and a half points. We'll <laughs> see you. Have a great weekend. We'll talk Monday. Morning after is up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.